Hello and welcome to Game on Girl. I'm your host, Regina McMenemy, and you may know me from Twitter, where I'm known as DocLiz with two Zs, and you may know me from Geeking with the Moms, which is on a temporary hiatus as we decide how we're going to rebrand ourselves. You may know me from Game on Girl, this very podcast that I have been producing um, somewhat erratically over the last uh, year or so, um, but is my first love of content creation for the interwebs. Uh, Regardless of how you know me and how you know Game on Girl, thank you for listening. I am so glad you're here. Uh, This is season two, episode 15, and today I'm going to talk about female representation in The Mandalorian. So before I begin talking about that topic, I do want to give a very clear and um, concise spoiler warning. I'm going to be talking about the first six episodes of The Mandalorian. So um, if you are planning to watch and haven't watched, uh, go do that and then come back and listen to to this episode. Um, And if you don't care, um, then the spoilers will abound and it won't make a difference anyway. uh, It's still an interesting discussion, I think, in terms of representation um, in our latest um, Star Wars TV series, which I know there are other TV series. Most of them, I think, are animated, but the first live-action TV series for um, Star Wars, which is on Disney+, Plus. if you're wondering where you can watch this. So, um, if you have listened to previous episodes of Game on Girl, you probably have an idea that I'm paying attention to how women are represented in The Mandalorian. Um, I can't really get away from thinking about things since it's pretty much been my life work to look at how female representations work in pop culture and video games. Um, So, yes, I've been paying specific attention to the female representations. Um, It's kind of an interesting show to do that with um, just because, well, in the first three episodes, there are literally no named female characters. Uh, Let me say that again. There are three episodes with not a single named female character. And I went through the IMDb list just to make sure my impressions (laughs) weren't wrong (laughs) about this. There is a female Mandalorian and one, I think only one female Mandalorian that we do see. um, But she is listed as Armorer and is not given a name. Um, So there's no named uh, female characters. Um, she is used as kind of the catalyst to bring forth memories for Mando, uh, the main character of the show, uh, where he's kind of triggered by memories of his childhood when he's with her talking about, um, kind of the kids who end up getting adopted by the Mandalorian, um, and then turned into these assassins slash warriors, um, so she's used, she's, she's very competent again, just like the other Mandalorians, they don't take off their helmets. We don't actually see her face. Uh, the only true gender sort of representations within her, um, outward appearance are kind of little, um, um, fur lined, um, shoulder pads, I guess that she kind of has and the slightly more dainty mask. Um, she's not hypersexualized. There aren't like hypersexualized boobs or anything. I think her armor is a little bit more female indented, but not to any kind of like crazy degree like it could be because we, we know, you know, female armor can go kind of uh, crazy in some of the representations. Uh, so those are the only ways. But I did know almost immediately I said out loud as I was watching it. Oh, she's a woman. Um, so 
awesome to have a female blacksmith, I will say. That is pretty cool. Um, but she is the only female represented character in the first three episodes, and she's not given a name. So that's um, hit number one for The Mandalorian. So we get to episode four, and the female representations climb exponentially. <laughs> we go from not having a single named female character to having three. Um, and having the majority of the plot of episode four be driven by the female presence and by what happens to these female characters and what they bring to the story. Um, so we open with um, the mother, um, Omira, um, protecting her daughter, Winta, uh, from an invasion from... Um, um, I kept calling them Urukai as I was watching. They weren't actually Urukai. They're um, empire um, leftovers of some kind um, who are invading her village, essentially. Um, along with that, then we have Cara Dune, who is an ex-soldier, um, who is kind of hiding out on this planet, much like uh, the Mandalorian plans to as well. Um, so the combination of these characters um, is what drives the, the, the plot of this episode. The Mandalorian recruits Cara Dune to help him help the village protect themselves from the raiders. Um, so these are great and positive female representations. Um, but as I was watching and as it was episode four, which means we have, you know, about three hours worth of content with hardly any female characters, um, it was almost like the writer suddenly noticed, oh, hey, there's not a single named female character. Let's throw a few into this episode. And let's also spend some time with those characters humanizing our Mandalorian whose face we still can't see. Um, so uh, that it, mm, I won't call that a hit against the Mandalorian necessarily, but it's definitely on the questionable side of story choices to have not had any sort of representation and then throw it all into one episode. Um, I did really enjoy this episode. I really enjoyed Omera's presence and her character and her love for her daughter. And as a mom, those storylines often speak to me. Um, but I do find it unfortunate that both Cara Dune and Omera were used to kind of push forward the Mandalorian story. It is his show. Um, so that is, you know, kind of the way things are going to go, but there could have been more kind of um, acknowledgement of, of them as kind of individual characters as well. So in episode five, we meet my favorite uh, female character so far in the Mandalorian, Paley Motto, who is the female mechanic um, played by Amy Sedaris. Absolutely brilliantly, I might add. That was just amazing to see her uh, in an acting role. Um, I love the combination of the maternal and like the cutthroat that she represented. Like this was fantastic, right? She wants to take care of baby Yoda and is like mad at the Mandalorian for leaving him alone in the ship. Um, but also says, you know, I'm going to charge him extra for having taken care of you. <laughs> so she is both willing to kind of step into the maternal role in this moment, but also very well aware of uh, the financial rewards that should come along with that after he just kind of dropped the, left the baby behind as he went to find work. Um, also a uh, female character in this episode is the 
um, the assassin that they're attempting to catch is Fennec Shand, um, who's played by Ming-Na Ming Wen. Um, she is a woman of color. She is dangerous and powerful. She's amazing. Um, what I loved about not just her competency as, um, as a sharpshooter, um, but was also her ability to just emotionally um, manipulate the other characters because there is the um, the gunslinger, the kid who wants to become part of the guild, um, uh, the bounty hunters guild. And man, does she just play him. And um, surprisingly, I was surprised at least because she was so effective in how she was kind of like wrapping him around. I was surprised he didn't completely fall for it, uh, which showed a little bit more intelligence on his part than I anticipated him to have, which was also cool. Good, Some good story surprises going on in our, our Mandalorian storytelling. Um, but I really did love the, the ability that she had to kind of take his insecurities, play them against him and like paint him a narrative of how he could really come out on top in this situation. Um, she was knowledgeable and competent. So, um, both, all of these characters, all of these female characters, episodes four and five are pivotal, both to the plots of both episodes, um, and to our development of Mondo's character. So we see how he's developing through them and we see the emotion of who he is because we don't see his emotions other than in how he tips his helmet. That's about the only, um, emoting he can actually do with his face, um, or with his head. Um, so we see a lot more of their, of his sort of emotional development through these female characters, um, which, you know, all of the characters, I guess, are going to be used in some degree to, to promote his story because it is called The Mandalorian. And it is the story of him taking care, at least at this point, of Baby Yoda and uh, what that's come to mean, both in him betraying his guild and betraying kind of the rules that he lives by and um, taking kind of an ethical stance that wouldn't normally be expected by someone in his shoes. Um, I think the Mandalorian is an interesting character. Um, and I think that these female characters really did help with that. So let's come to the crux of what I wanted to talk about in this episode, uh, which is the sixth episode of uh, the Mandalorian, um, which is, I said, as I was first watching it, the RPG D&D heist episode. So here's a bunch of um, merry band of thieves who are going on a quest together to break out another thief from what is essentially prison. Um, he's on a prison ship and, and um, Mando has been hired with a bunch of people he used to work with in order to go rescue um, one of their own. Um, who also turns out to be someone that he used to work with and has at least been insinuated that he wronged all of these people in some way. Um, there is only one female character in our Merry Band of Thieves, um, and she is Mondo's ex. Um, she is portrayed as absolutely emotionally unstable and um, not a little crazy. Um, her name is Gian. She's played by Natalia Tena, who you may know and not recognize as Tonks from the Harry Potter movies. She was also Osha on Game of Thrones. Um, love her as an actor. I uh, think she is absolutely outstanding. She does some great emotional work in both of those. 
Um, and she does a great job portraying Jean as the crazy ex-girlfriend slash lover. Um, unfortunately, she's put in that role because well, I guess every franchise now has to have a Harley Quinn. So we all have to have um, the character who's crazy and unstable um, and, and also um, an effective thief. Um, it's clear that she's harboring some unresolved feelings for the lead. Um, she's, it's given, it's, it's not really explained if the breakup between the two of them was because of, uh, business or because of just their relationship. So it's unclear kind of how that evolved between them. Um, if it was just a job gone bad or if it was because Mondo left to go into the guild or whatnot, we're not given really the history of that. Um, but she's used, used as the moral antagonist to the Mandalorian in this episode. Um, the one thing he doesn't want to do is unnecessarily kill living creatures. Um, he has no problem going on this job because it's uh, droids. And for whatever reason, we're not, ex hasn't been explained yet. He has no problem killing androids, killing droids at all. He just hates them. He doesn't want them working on a ship. He doesn't want to be around them. Um, and she is placed as the solution to the problem of the one human character that they come across. And she just, they're trying to figure out and they're like negotiating and she just whips out a knife and, and kills him on the spot. So she is placed as this moral antagonist. Um, she makes that decision without consulting the others. Um, and just solves the problem, so to speak. So here's the issue here. Why, why, when we only have one female character, it's a problem that that female character is represented as crazy. Um, there's so few, male, few, so few female characters in the series. Each one of them carries great impact. And when you have the only female who's interacting with a bunch of male characters, it carries even more impact. It carries even further impact that she is his ex-girlfriend, that there is some emotional baggage or some emotional uh, thing that is also going on with them. All of that kind of ties into this representation of her. Um, and she ends up being erratic. She's sexualized. She's emotionally turbulent. And it comes to represent that all women in a situation who are like the only woman in a group of men are going to behave this way on some way. So even if you are a woman, like I've been in a situation where you're surrounded by men and you're in a male dominated arena or situation, you're always, almost always dismissed as erratic because of your emotions. 